0: TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. Stories of that game and what happened in the clubhouse is fantastic. There's no game that can bleep you like this one. <laughs> it's Royce on baseball. Let's go here. Manny Hill and Ricey. Ricey on baseball. Uh, Buster Olney will be talking to uh, a little later here. Manny, all this is being recorded on uh, Tuesday afternoon. All star game later tonight. Are you an all star game guy?
1: I am. Um, I I will admit that I'm not as into it as I used to be when I was a kid. Yes. When the mid 90s, mid to late Man. 90s, that was mm-hmm. that was the pinnacle of it for me.
0: You know. I was one of the few guys who wasn't offended by the home field advantage angle of that thing. Okay. Because to me, baseball, when you're playing such a high percentage of your games in the other, you know, in your own league, mm-hmm. I never thought that record, if you had a better record in the National League than the American League, uh, it didn't mean you were a better, you know, team. And especially now, uh, the the way it is. So any, anyway, I, I, that didn't bother me. But... You know, it's uh, the one thing I appreciate about the baseball All Star game. It's the only game that can play the game. It's the only All Star game where they can play the game. Hockey, they now are playing three on three. NBA, it's a great show if you like. Nobody even try to guard anybody. Dunks and and things like that. And uh, of course, the NFL. Uh, they've done all kinds of things in the NFL trying to get contact back in the game without getting anybody hurt and uh that's that's not due. so i i do i covered a lot of them uh enjoyed it a lot uh you know was tk was a manager in two of them 88 92 i still remember the 92 game more than any because of the way they went after glavin in the first inning tk mm-hmm. Got them all in the, you know, he had this great lineup, and he said, take the ball the other way against this guy, these guy fellows, and remember that? They were, you, mm-hmm. you remember that game? Yeah, I was about they eight years old, the, but yeah. They, they I were remember. clunking the ball in there, right? They... they I think they got nine hits in an inning, a third or something. Well,
1: because Glavin always liked to get yeah, the outside well, half yes. of the plate oh, yeah. all the time, especially on the right-handers. He'd always yes. go for he'd that outside that half of the plate. Throw that away, and yep. uh,
0: the umpires would give him six inches, and uh, <laughs> and uh, he'd he'd get him out. But uh, that was that was good. I I had a, I had a few memorable ones, and I was there for the tie too. That uh, oh, no, basically too. caused the whole thing. Yeah, when uh, and you know what, Joe Torre. I think Brenly was managing, right? The National League. Mm-hmm. And Brenly ran out of pitchers. Tory still had a guy, you know, a starter that he'd left mm-hmm. to pitch in case it went to extra innings. And Tory took Brenly off the hook and went over and said, hey, we don't have any pitchers. He had a pitcher. Mm. Brenly had used know, up used everybody, Used up all his pitchers. So Tory bailed him out. But. Uh, you know, all-star game, comes back to Milwaukee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, the fans were agitated.
1: Yeah. Agitated. I, well, I just remember the Boo Birds was out there when, oh, they, they, when they got that last out, and that was it. Yeah, And they that, were that crowd in Milwaukee was not happy.
0: No, they weren't. And uh, do you know that there was a period, and now this is uh, long before you, I think it's 59 to 62. They played two? You know they what? They played two?
1: I was wondering about that because I remember looking up. Harmon Killerbrew's Wikipedia page just All-Star randomly games. out of the blue, and it told me the number of All Star games that he made, and it would have some of the years that he made it listed. Made twice. 17
0: All Star games in 14 years, yeah. right? <laughs> yes. The reason was the All Star game was used to fund the pension for the baseball okay. For the players, they were, you know, the union was, you didn't have Marvin yet, the mm-hmm. smartest man that ever lived, uh, Miller, and they were. They were fighting to get some kind of a pension, and the cheap-ass owners wouldn't put any more money into it. So their uh, their solution to get the players was to play a second All-Star game. <laughs> they were playing to them, and what they would do basically is bring the same players, except the pitching staffs would change. So, you know, you'd— You'd have Willie Mays playing both of them, and you know the the lineups Mm -hmm. would be pretty much the same. They might make a change here or there. Somebody might get hurt or something, but they would change quite a few of the pitchers. I don't know if they changed all of them, but they changed quite a few of the pitchers. But by that second All Star game, you had guys like Dave Stenhouse starting the game and stuff like that. (laughs) I mean, it was it was a complete fiasco. So,
1: so how did they? How did they, like, when did they play? Did they split they them up They played one good, in uh,
0: July and one in August. Okay. They would play one in, uh, like, three weeks later. Okay. And uh, I remember uh, uh, it, uh, they, he, uh, as dumb as those guys were and as uh, cheap, they finally, somebody said, you know. This is pretty idiotic. <laughs> this you know, is pretty stupid. This is, this is yeah, stupid. yeah. We 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 don't need two of those because I don't think in some cases I don't even think the second one was selling out, and you know, oh wow, okay. they were re- de- de- detracting from both of them by doing it. But yeah, it's a, uh, yeah, people are confused when they run across that, and I can tell you, as a young fan of baseball, I was confused too. <laughs> but uh, anyway, that was, uh, but the All Star Game, it's, uh, you know, the one thing you always uh, guard against is. No rain. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I think was it Oakland where I covered the one fifteen innings one zero that was boring. China <laughs> and, and you know we played all night. But can you imagine if it was fifteen innings today? How long we played? <laughs> so anyway, Uh the All Star game and the Twins five and a half ahead. I wouldn't say. I wouldn't say panic. But I wouldn't say don't be overconfident either, right? right.
1: I've said it a couple it's weeks baseball. ago. It's baseball! I've been saying it for a few weeks. This division race is not over. I still feel good about them yes. winning this division, but it is the AL Central
0: race is by a no means over A lot of it depends yet. upon if Cleveland wants it or not, too. Yeah. Is Cleveland going to... Yeah, uh, we'll talk to Buster about this, but is Cleveland still going to get rid of Bauer in Hand and, and tell Terry, yeah. you know, tough luck, we can't beat the, Red- the Yankees anyway, or are they going to try, uh, you know, their ownership, yeah. You know, everyone here who likes to complain about the cheap pole ads, <laughs> you know one thing, if they were five and a half behind, they'd still be trying to win. So
1: This yeah. weekend, I think this weekend will tell us a lot, this weekend series no, between lose, these two clubs.
0: They uh, they lose uh, three in a row to Cleveland. You'll be able to hear the pucker factor from here, uh-huh. right, when they come home next week. So, All right, uh, Buster Olney coming up, All-Star Game tonight. We're uh, recording this on Tuesday, and we will have the All-Star Game right here on Score North. Planning for a secure future requires sound investment advice. That's why I rely on my guy, Mr. Money Talk, Josh Arnold, for guidance in planning and maintaining a long-term financial strategy. This is Ricey, and I've known Josh for many years. I trust Josh and recommend him because he listens and delivers the kind of service that you'll need to feel confident about your financial future. I encourage you to get to know him the same way I did many years ago. Call Josh Arnold at 952 Two five five six zero eight, 5608 and set up your 48-minute, no-obligation consultation. Call 952-925-5608. You'll always get straight talk, not sugar-coated advice. Call Mr. Money Talk, Josh Arnold, at 952-925-5608. Investment Advisor Services, offered by Josh Arnold Investment Consultant, LLC, a registered advisor in the state of Minnesota. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. All investments involve risk. Buster Olney is with us, ESPN and ESPN.com, and an eventful home run derby
2: last night, sir. It was great. Uh, and, and look, you know, Pete Alonso is probably the biggest fan that I've ever talked to uh, of the event. You know, when I, I, I talked to him on the phone on Friday, and he was rattling off all the home run derbies that he watched <laughs> as a kid. Really? And you know, yeah, he was like a, you know, like a student remembering math questions. You know, going back to 2002. 2007, Um, and so he was so excited about doing this event, and it's really cool that he won. But there's also no doubt that uh, you know the the best part of the night was the showdown between Josh Peterson and Vladimir Guerrero Jr. And it was to the point, Patrick, that in the last rounds, the very last rounds after that happened, I felt like the crowd was just gassed. I mean, the crowd yeah, right. was exhausted from from what Peterson and, and Guerrero Ju, uh, Jr. had done to the degree that when Pete Alonso was taking his swings, you saw him pause and he, like, waved his arms near, like, come on, get some energy going here. But the fans had nothing to give. They had nothing left to give.
0: How long have we officially let non-All-Stars into this thing? Oh, gosh. Um, because it seems to— remember- becoming more prominent now that we're doing it that and with the million dollar prize money and everything, it's, it's a completely different,
2: it's it's a stand in it on its own event now. As it should be. Yes. Right. I, I'm, I'm going to be really curious to see, you know, what the, you know, how the all-star game ratings compared to the home run derby ratings. Cause I get the feeling that it, that it, this, this year has a chance to be the first time that you're actually to see higher ratings for the derby than the all-star game. Because the All Star game, the the home run derby in itself, you know, I I think baseball has done a really good job of this new format that they fell into that year that they had the rain in Cincinnati and Todd Frazier and his brother Charlie put on that great show there. Uh, And as you say, the focus on getting the best home run hitters, the most interesting home run hitters in there, you know, there was definitely some sort of low level griping among other players. That uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. was a part of this event because he only has eight home runs and he hasn't been in the big leagues very long. But once you saw the event begin, <laughs> yeah. and you saw the the, the 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 such an easy power that he has, it made all the sense in the world. And heck, for baseball, you talk about branding. You know, for casual baseball fans who weren't aware of who he was and how good he could be. They certainly were aware of it after seeing that. Uh, seeing Pete Alonso,
0: though, you think Mets, don't you? You think uh, 1962 Barb throat. It was before your time. But you think the early Mets, these everyman type of uh, <laughs> players that, uh, you know, just he looks like a guy that they uh, found drinking in a bar about a mile and a half away from the ballpark in Queens, you know.
2: 100%. Uh, there's, there's no doubt about it. He actually, for me, I um, reminds me physically when you're around him and how he compares to other other baseball players he reminds me of Rob Gronkowski like he's baseball's Gronk. yeah you know, right. he's This big guy who's kind of goofy and and fun and funny and so sincere and so genuine he's having such a good time when he does it um, you know there was a great moment in spring training not a great moment I'm sure Josh Reddick didn't think it was a great moment but there was a, a throw to first base and Josh Reddick of the Astros who's not a small person um, runs into Pete Alonso and just drops to the ground like he'd run into the brick wall uh, behind the ivy, okay? Um, and, you know, that that's how big Pete Alonso is. But, I mean, your point about his joy and, and, you know, how he has an everyman quality, the person who was throwing to him last night was his cousin, yes. Derek Morgan, who actually is a an operations manager at a car wash 20 miles from uh, Progressive Field, he grew up an Indians fan, and you know, all spring he and his brother, uh, he and his cousin, have talked about, hey, if if this, if I can get into the home run derby, I want you to pitch to me. And in the first two rounds, his cousin was struggling to throw strikes, and he acknowledged to me uh, when I talked to him after the first round that his heart was going about 200 beats <laughs> a minute uh, because he suddenly was in the middle of this crowd in this big event. So no question, to see the excitement and man, Pete Alonso, so much wanted to win that thing uh and you know had been planning for it and practicing for it and it was cool that he came through
0: okay buster of course the other headline is verlander uh complaining rather uh, candidly about the uh about the baseball and uh it, it's rare for baseball not to have a controversy when the home runs start flying uh what's your view of uh, what verlander said yesterday
2: well, it was interesting because Max Scherzer, of course, was a teammate of Verlander with the Tigers for years. Uh, he did an interview shortly after that came out, and he said, you know, uh, yeah, we all noticed something different with the way the baseball's traveling, but I don't want like to I don't cry about the baseballs. Um, and that was, you know, I got some of that response from people around the game after Verlander's comments came out. First off, I mean, as Scherzer said, even the commissioner, Rob Manfred, has acknowledged, yeah, the baseball is different. Something's going on with the baseball, uh, and, and it's traveling. I also know, and you also know, you know, every time I always hear about a, you know, a, a broad media conspiracy, I just laugh because my feeling is, boy, if they think that all media members are involved in a conspiracy, they don't know how disorganized and disagreeable, uh, reporters can be, right? Uh, and I feel the same way with Major League Baseball. If, if people really think, that Rob Manfred 's sitting in his office and running his hands together, and i 'm going to juice up the offense that's baseball is not that organized <laughs> yeah and and there would be you know and there are too many hands involved in the handling of the ball um here 's the other thing too that I thought about is, is that look offensive numbers were depressed in two thousand and eight and they were depressed in two thousand and thirteen just as they were depressed in the you know early nineteen hundreds and mm-hmm. So at that time, should hitters have come out and complained and say the ball wasn't made, especially to their specifications? That's it. The There's been an ebb and flow of the quality of the baseball and the type of baseball for years in the game, and that's why I can understand and probably relate more to what Max Scherzer was saying, like, yeah, okay, it's different. But there's no point in crying about it because it's the same for everybody.
0: I think the one thing that uh, does uh, put Manford in uh, the fact that he's uh, he knows that it's going farther, and he's a bit mystified uh, as to how Rollins is making the baseball when MLB
2: owns Rollins now, right? Am I not mistaken? Uh, they they own the company, right? They own the company, uh, and, and look, I you know there are different theories. Rob's talked about how the the, the core of the ball is better centered than ever because of, of the way the balls are manufactured. I don't know if that's the case. Every ball is hand-manufactured. It's possible that, um, I mean, one possible explanation, I don't know if I would buy it, would be that the balls are just simply made better, so they're more aerodynamic. I don't know what the answer to it is, but, uh, I mean, I through the years, my years covering baseball, your, your years covering baseball, you hear so many different things about the baseball from players uh, as you say, whenever the home runs numbers, the home run numbers jump up. I
0: think we can forget about moving the mound back to sixty-two feet. Whatever's going on, I, I think we're going to stick where we are right now. The way the uh, way the runs are being scored, and it's funny. You see the good pitch game. You still see the two to ones and one to nothing. But when it turns into uh, when a bullpen battle of seven different relievers, uh, you get that thirteen to ten more than uh, you had. Uh, but three four years ago, we were in a crisis for uh, getting some runs scored, and uh, now, uh, boy, everybody in the bullpen threw ninety five, except the guys who don't and come in and give up seven runs. You know,
2: it's amazing how much the the home run numbers are jumping uh, at this. Current trajectory, baseball is going to break its all-time record for home runs in a, in a season with 30 teams by a factor of about 9 to 10%. There's no doubt that those numbers have taken a big leap forward. Uh, 14 of the 30 teams are probably going to see their team single-season home run records go down. Uh, we're probably going to have something in the range of 120 guys in baseball with 20 or more home runs. Um, you know, Is it the ball? Probably, definitely some of it. Uh, is it hitters looking uh, learning to adapt to high velocity? I don't think there's any question that that's also happened. You and I have talked about that. Um, I think now as hitters are adapting, suddenly this strategy of bringing a new reliever doesn't seem to work as well because a lot of the relievers aren't as good. <laughs> once hit, once hitters you know, have figured out a strategy to counter what they're doing, uh, there's always going to be an ebb and flow and, and something going on with cycles in baseball with the offense and uh, they'll, they'll be in an ad- adaptation. And the interesting thing is is that they'll continue to tinker with this. You know, one of the ideas I heard recently, because they want to have more uh, more rewards for hitters to put the ball in play, yes. to move the runners. An interesting idea I heard recently that I think uh, the Atlantic league is trying in the, in the second half of its league is that every pitcher uh, has to, before throwing to first base, break contact with the rubber, which would immediately eliminate that old left-hander move that they've always had historically. Yeah, and I personally like that idea. I like the idea of trying to come up with ways to promote the running game.
0: Well, I was in D.C. over the weekend and went to the Nats game Sunday, Kansas City and the Nats, and let me first say those Washington season ticket holders are a bunch of wimps. It was a hot, sunny day, and they didn't show up. Uh, you know, in the good seats, <laughs> the bad seats, there were some people sitting there. But, B, I was, uh, I was – Realize, I came to realize how dramatically our twins are shifting. Because watching Kansas City and the Nats, not nearly as uh, dramatic as shifting. So not everybody's gone crazy with it. I mean, it's done, but it, it's it's uh, it was uh, it was interesting to me that the Nats are shifting so much less than the
2: Twins. Yeah, and it's interesting. There are teams, for example, the Chicago Cubs. Uh, despite the fact they have a pr- very progressive front office, they don't shift very much. Um, you know, I think it all just depends uh, on the makeup composition of the infielders and probably the, uh, the the philosophical perspective of the front office and the coaching staff and, and how well they work together.
0: And what was Rendon's, who's uh, Rendon, I, picked, I predicted he was going to hit a double and he finally did on his fourth at bat. Uh, heck of a hitter. What was his uh, theory on not going to the All-Star game?
2: It's not a surprise, uh, and, and look, Anthony Rendon is someone who's going to be talked about more than any other player here in the next eight months because he's going to be this winter's version of Manny Machado and Bryce Harper. He's going to be the most prominent free agent. He's a client of Scott Boris. Uh, there were talks uh, in, uh, reports in Washington when you were there that they had started up talks with Rendon. Um, I, I've all along thought that he might go back there because, Patrick, he doesn't like a lot of attention Yes, like he, that's not really his thing, and so when he and I don't even know what his excuse was for going out of the All Star game, but I anybody who knows him suspects he probably just doesn't want to go through the fanfare. I mean, he's the the person who who famously said, I think four or five years ago that you know he wasn't that interested in baseball because baseball is boring. <laughs> and. and-
0: yeah, and uh, I suppose he figured that you know when you when they have the the press conference, the mass press conference, he'd be sitting there, had, all he'd be asking about is free agency, and he probably didn't want to talk about it.
2: No, and he's uh, you know he's always been known as someone who I know by the uh, the sideline reporters who work there that in a post game interview, he a walk off grand slam to win the World <laughs> Series, he won't talk about himself, really? and, and he does it with a smile, and he's a super guy. But he just does not like to talk about himself. And so I agree with your conspiracy theory 100% that he did it because he didn't want to go to Cleveland and talk about himself for two days.
0: So uh, did you get a chance to talk to Fran Kono to uh, find out what's happening with their, there I think, 22-9. and nine. Is it 22-9 and nine since the start of, uh, since June 4th when they beat the Twins, I believe?
2: With yeah, the- it's it's. And it's going to be very interesting to see what they do here, you know, in the last 22 days before the trade deadline. Because, you know, I've spoken a lot of executives about their situation. What, you know, they basically cut the Twins' lead in half, and they're playing well. But I think there is some sense within the organization that there's a lot of smoke and mirrors to it to some degree, because they've had some injuries, uh, and Jose Ramirez has not really played that well, and he hasn't started turning it around. And when you talk with executives with other teams, they feel like that the Indians are still going to take a very, very objective look at the possibility of trading not only uh, Trevor Bauer, who's one of the best starting pitchers, but also their closer, Brad Hand, because let's face it, from the Indians' perspective, making the playoffs, merely making the playoffs, doesn't really move the needle a lot. Mm. Uh, Their question internally is going to be, do we think we're good enough to win the World Series, to beat the Yankees, to beat the Astros, to beat the Dodgers, you know, beat the Braves, beat the best teams in baseball right now. Uh, And if the answer is no, I think, if I'm sitting here today, I think the the safe money is that they're going to trade Trevor Bauer before July 31st and try to get some major league ready players in return, possibly an outfielder. but. You might have some unhappy fans in Cleveland by the end of the month.
0: And the uh, Twins are in there this weekend, and Cleveland, you would think Cleveland will be a little fired up as as a team about having the All-Star game in town, a little baseball enthusiasm, and uh, it could be two and a half by Sunday night. Then then they'd have to give it serious thought here, I think, even Uh, I, I can't believe if if you could stumble into the playoffs, you're not going to take the shot, but who knows? there's a, This new thinking in baseball is hard for some of us old-timers to grasp, that, okay, we can make the playoffs, but maybe we can't win it, so the heck with it. And uh, I, I'm not certainly uh, denying that exists, but it's certainly a different philosophy.
2: It's a very different philosophy, and yesterday I had a great conversation with a front office person who said that he actually thinks that it's getting to the point that baseball needs to address it, that, uh, you know, in its effort to uh, make winning the division a greater reward um, and making the wild-card situation to be so stark, where you go into a wild-card game and it's basically a coin flip. um, And we saw in 2013, and I think it was 2014, 2015, the Pirates finished their regular season, basically considered to be the best team in baseball, but in 2014... They lost to Madison Bumgarner at the beginning of that incredible run that he had in 2015. They lost to Jake Arrieta at the end of the greatest second half of any pitcher in history. And so a lot of teams, I think, are looking at that and looking at the wild card and are saying, is it really worth it when all you get is a coin flip? Um, And that's not good for baseball. That's what this executive said, that you have a lot of teams. And and again, the Indians will be a a fascinating test of this before the trade deadline, feeling like, it's not really worth it to go all in just for a one game coin flip in the wild card uh but
0: i I guess my thought is well, if you win the division then you get to uh, then you get to play somebody and uh, you know at least you get uh five you know a, a five gamer but uh it's uh the the I was all against the second wild card. But then again I look at the mess in the in both leagues for that second wild card and it's certainly going to maintain some interest among the fans.
2: Especially in the National League, yes. my god. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you've got all those National League Central teams absolutely packed together. I mean, you even had the, you know, the Mets in, in their disastrous season uh, 13 and a half games out of first place in the National League East. You had Mickey Calloway coming out and saying, Well, you know what, with a wild card, we win a few games and we might be back in it. Uh, that's, that's what he said on Sunday. So, and, and that's it is part of the reason why, for the moment, the trade market seems really frozen. That you, what you're hearing is is that uh, a lot of teams are saying, You know what, We we want to wait another week, 10 days after the All Star break to see how we get out of the gates, and at that point we'll decide whether or not to be buyers or sellers, and it's the wild card possibility that's keeping everybody in uh, in, in the conversation.
0: Uh, all-star break can be bad for managers on the bubble. Anybody about to get fired? Uh, the baseball doesn't fire managers like they used to. They're not crazy like the NHL and uh, some of the other leagues, in the NHL particularly. Anybody really? Uh, Martinez has obviously gotten off the hot seat. The, the Nats are playing good. Is anybody going to get yeah, fired?
2: And it seems like Mickey Callaway. for now. Uh, let's face it, he's the body bag stacked up in front of the Mets, the front office, yes. <laughs> taking all the bullets for everybody else. Uh, so I don't think he's going to be fired. The interesting thing is, among other teams, there's a lot of conversation about what the Cubs are going to do with Joe Maddon. Yeah. Last week, Theo Epstein, the head of baseball ops for the Cubs, was very outspoken about, you know what, we might need to make some changes, and we might need to do some things. And he was talking about uh, you know, continued problems, and we're trying to figure out why we, we're so sloppy. And, uh, look, I've known Theo a long time, and I don't know if he was alluding to Madden or not, but here's the fact of the matter. Madden's contract runs out at the end of the year. If you don't feel like that you want to have him be the manager beyond this season, if you have already made that determination, and you're seeing your team slog along and not play well, very well right now, why not, right? It would make sense that they would at least consider it, and they certainly have a couple of options available to them or not with other teams. Joe Girardi, former Cub, who's from that area. He uh, you know talked to the Cubs at one point about becoming their manager, and they, of course, have David Ross, uh, who's uh, you know, part of their front office, part of our uh, broadcasting team here at ESPN, who would be available to them if David wants to do that. And if they decide to make a move, i got to believe four and a half years into their five years with Joe Madden's contract, they have a good idea of whether or not they want to retain him after this year.
0: Hey, thanks a lot, Buster. Uh, good all-star game, and we will uh, talk to you in a couple of weeks. Thanks, Patrick. Great talking with you. All right, sir. Uh, Buster Olney, ESPN, ESPN.com. Next week, the TK doubleheader, Kirkchin and Kelly.
2: Look for specially marked packaging and visit MTNDUGaming for details and restrictions. Open to US residents seventeen plus college duty points available on twelve and twenty-four packs and free twenty twenty three.